Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Afternoon and welcome to episode 37 of Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 and 92.3 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to briefly share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. And my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through storage each week of people that have dedicated their lives to being servant leaders and honoring God. Because what I know beyond the shadow of a doubt is that when you do that, blessings follow as a natural byproduct of that service. Because at the end of the day, all of us are ministers in some form or fashion because we are all given special gifts by God. And because of that, We have an obligation that when we see a need, we are charged to fill that need in whatever way we can, and that is in all walks of life, because serving is for everyone. Whether you're in the military, in business, you're a person in the faith community, you work in your community where you live, or you can do something as simple as serving your family. And last week, I had an opportunity to have two servant leaders in the area of community that I really enjoyed speaking with. Mr. Samuel Kasha and Mr. Alex Archowski, and both of these men talked about the importance of mentorship and pouring into somebody's life and helping them take their next steps. And so today, I have the great honor of having on two people that are really important to me and to this program. So I've been the host of this program, Serving Our Nation, since the 21st of February of this year. And I was introduced to radio through my good friend, Mr. Joe Griffiths. And he's going to be my first guest on the program today. Joe is a Vietnam veteran. He's the host of the Welcome Home Show. And he's also a very staunch advocate for veterans' rights in the community. And he's been honored numerous times for his work. My second guest is WND's own Mr. James Rabick. He's not only the producer of Serving Our Nation here at WOND, he's also a podcaster in his own right and a drummer in a band called Three Noodle Stew. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Joe Griffiths. Stay with us. We'll be right back. There's a bit of love. There's a bit of love. Mm-hmm. If you got pain, he's a pain If you feel lost, he's a way maker. Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1492.3 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Joe Griffiths. Thank you, Paul. 
Joe, before we even get started with our conversation, I want to publicly thank you, number one, for having me on your show several months ago. That was my very first time being on radio. And you put a lot of faith and confidence in me, and you recommended me to your friend, Mr. Joe Krause, who gave me a shot at doing this program. So I want to thank you and Joe Krause, who's not here today, for just having some faith in me. Paul, you're, you're a natural at what you do, and I, I, you're the only person that ever said, hey, you should be doing radio. I think I, I do say all the time that if I can do it, anybody can do it. But, Paul, you're the first person that uh, that stood out, and it bothered me after the first show you did. Something was telling me there was something unique and different about you, and then you came down again a month later, yeah. and that's when we sat for an hour or two after the show, and I yeah. said, hey, let me let me call Joe up and Joe was a great guy too by the he way is. and uh, next thing I know you're on the air and and, <laughs> and guess what I was just an instrument of being in the way of being able to turn around and get the the wheels rolling a little bit but you did it you know you did it and you're on what 35 40 weeks now almost going on a year and yeah and and that's that's pretty cool that's pretty cool that's yeah. good so, you know, Joe, we just celebrated Thanksgiving not too long ago. And as we sit back and reflect on things we're really thankful for, like I am so thankful for the opportunity just to be on the air each week and share the heart of being a servant leader with other people. And when I think about what that means, like you are a shining example of a servant leader, Joe. I mean, like just from your work in the military, you had a servant leader's heart. I mean, would you share with our guest a little bit about why you joined the military and what that experience was like for you? Well, I got drafted, so I only had a couple options. Go to jail, go to Canada, or go in. <laughs> and with my father being a World War II Marine, uh, the other two weren't options. Sure. Uh, my brother had joined, I guess, about two months before I got drafted. And... Uh, I got drafted and was in the military for about eight months and got sent to Vietnam and uh, spent my year and came home and got out of the military to a whole different world being 20 years old that, mm -hmm. that I'd left. And uh, uh, I do disagree with what a lot of people say, join, this, join the military and become a man. I don't think the military... The one thing that the military does, it opens your eyes up of how lucky we are to live in this country. Yes. Uh, when you go from a middle-class family, never having to worry about breakfast, lunch, or dinner on the table, and then all of a sudden you go to Vietnam, which was a second or third world country where the kids didn't know where, where that meal that they were going to eat right then was coming from. Yeah. Um, we throw more food away in this country uh, than most people in a lot of countries have to eat. And uh, that's what woke me up. People living in straw huts, mud huts. Uh, I didn't see a paved road the whole year I was in Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, it brought us back to reality when we came back home here that uh, we're really a spoiled country. We we overwhelmed with, I don't want to use the word blessings, we're overwhelmed with commodities. Things. Of things four cars in the driveway, TVs in every room. Uh, I, I I think that's what has a lot of veterans at times dealing with issues because they just see how great we have it here, how great the people have it here. I know the veterans get it. I don't think the public gets it. You know, they wake up every day thinking this freedom is free. 
and it's not free. It comes at the cost of a lot of lives. Uh, I guess it was a couple months ago the war in Afghanistan was officially shut down, closed down, stopped, mm-hmm. whatever. I got a lot of phone calls, did a lot of interviews, um, my feeling towards it. We're very good as a country getting in the war. Yeah. We're just really bad getting out of them. And somebody said to me, how do you feel how Afghanistan was handled? I said, well, we've been trying to get out of Korea for 75 years. <laughs> so based it on that. I don't think there's ever a bad way of getting out of a war when we stop death. We stop that knock on the door to 18, 19-year-old family members telling them that their 18, 19-year-old son or daughter died. Uh, We have to find a better way, Paul. I don't think God gave us the only means of settling conflicts is by bombs and rifles and missiles. Uh, I say this a lot, uh, and I believe it. Uh, I think with the Olympics and music, we ought to focus more on them too when it comes to war com- conflicts in the world because we go to the war, they kill them, they kill us, they maim us, we get wounded. But our Olympics go, and they fight a different kind of war. They, they fight it in a gym or on a track or yeah. on a field. And the winner gets a trophy, and everybody goes home happy. Yeah. Olympics are like a war, but it's a different kind of war. Nobody dies. Yeah, nobody gets hurt. Music, we can we can sing a song in Philadelphia and play it in Russian Russian language, and everybody smiles and it puts a. F- so I think we got to start fighting the wars in the future with music and Olympics, and stop it with bombs and weapons because our commodity, you know, our, the pr- most precious commodity in this world are our children, and we lose too many of them in war. Joe, let me offer one other thing to you. So I completely agree with your sentiment, but, you know, just in church this morning uh, at the place where I go to, it's called Kingsway Church, and during the month of November, we call that missions convention. And so we talk about missions and this idea of will you pray, will you give, will you go, and talking about missions to other countries. And when the pastor was talking about that this morning, about those concepts of pray, give, and go, she said, well, everybody should go on at least one mission trip in their lifetime because it will change your perspective, just like you were talking about. And Americans, just like she mentioned this morning, are very consumed with their things and their commodities and this and that. And when you go to a foreign country, it makes you take a step back and realize that truly what the most important thing is in your life and the one thing that we all have in common is that we all have a God that's above us, right? Now, different religions call that God by different names and maybe some different traditions, but millions and millions of people acknowledge that we are not the creators of the universe, right? And that there is, in fact, a higher power. So I would say that, yes, Olympics, yes, music, but maybe faith. If we oh, faith, together, comes in, faith comes in all that, you yeah. know? Paul, what's sad is uh, on Christmas Day in this country... And God bless them, our children, because they're, they're the ones that end up getting older and going off to fight these wars, but they're going to be worried about what kind of iPad or iPhone or computer or automobile they got for Christmas. Yeah. You win 75% of the countries around the world, they're going to be worried about what they're going to eat that day for Christmas. 100%. You know, uh, it, it's very, very sad, and uh, I just don't want to see us lose the most precious commodity God put on this earth. Our, our children 
our yeah. boys and our girls, our girls, our boys, however you want to put it. Uh, we're looking. I'm looking at your daughter now uh, in the engineering room, and it's hard for me to believe that four years from her age now, we were sent to Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, not a good idea. Well, Joe, let me ask you about that. So when you came back from Vietnam, how were you treated? Was it with the dignity and respect that I got when I came back from Iraq and Kuwait, or did you have a different experience? Well, I spent four days in California. I landed on the West Coast, and my sister made me promise that if I landed near her, I would spend a few days. And the day I was flying home, I came down with a pair of shorts and a T-shirt on. She says, aren't you going home today? I said, yeah. She said, where's your uniform? I said, we were told not to wear them because being harassed or beat up or spit on or name called yeah. uh, at the airport, it was safer. She said, well, you know, your dad's going to be at the airport and he's a World War II Marine. He's going to be disappointed. So I wore my uniform home and we were having dinner that night, that afternoon and uh, that evening, I should say. And uh, there was about 20 people there. And the news came out. Walter Cronkite, the only contact that we had back with the war mm-hmm. was the six or seven o'clock news with Walter Cronkite for a half hour. And uh, we didn't have live coverage like we have today. And I got up from the table with hot food and more food than we could all eat. And I'm then watching the, the uh, news clip of Walter Cronkite. And my mother comes in and said, Joe, your, your food's getting cold. And I didn't say it sarcastically, but I, I remember saying to my mom, Mom, I've been eating cold food for the past year. So when the news clip got over, I went out, and I remember everybody was silent, and I said, does anyone know there's still a war going on? And I don't think my family was ignorant to the fact of what I did or what we did. Uh, they wanted it to be in the past. My mother said, my war is over with. I had two sons in Vietnam at the same time. Mm-hmm. Spent a year on my knees, mm-hmm. and uh, my war is over with. But the war wasn't over with for a lot of other people, and and I think the way a lot of people handled us when we came home was to not ask us questions, to not talk about it, because uh, they don't. They not that they didn't want to hear about it. It's that they didn't understand why we were there. I still don't know why we were there, but they, by not talking about it, they didn't have to bring the subject up, so they didn't have to get involved in conversations. But we go to too many wars, Paul, that we just don't know why we go. And then 30 years later, we walk down aisles of Walmart, and we find aisles of furniture made in those countries. Yeah. Now, I, I just put, I, I'm thinking of a friend of mine said, you know, I got three Purple Hearts in Vietnam, and my wife just bought one furniture that was made in Vietnam. Wow. Why did, take us all that many years of 59,000 soldiers being killed in Vietnam and now we're buying wicker furniture off them. What eluded us during that 30 year period that we didn't know back in the 60s that we know now? I just don't know. I just don't think war is a good thing. Well, Joe, I mean, is that the driving force for the show you do now? Because it, it feels that you are such a staunch advocate for veterans' rights and it feels like the war will never be over for you because you carry it on well, in your heart and you always fight for veterans. Here's here's answer that real, real in a nutshell. Uh, I guess the war two months ago ended in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. It only ended up, it only ended for Fox News, CNBC, CNN, ABC, CBS. 
it ended because there's nothing for them to talk about. Yes. But the real war started for the veterans coming home. Yep. The thousands that lost legs, lost limbs, arms, legs, eyes. We lost three, maybe four veterans lost everything. Their eyesight, both arms and both legs. Uh, we do our radio show and I talk about this. If you want to talk about stats, we've had we've had three veterans on our show and out of the three veterans there was only one leg. Wow. <laughs> so I mean the cost of war our wars are going to go over for Iraq, Afghanistan veterans are going to go on for the rest of their lives dealing with TBI, post traumatic stress, heart conditions, uh, uh, burn pit. We didn't even get in the burn pit. Yeah. Uh, uh, just so many diseases that are, one disease is going to lead to another disease and the pain and suffering, uh, suicides, homelessness. What kind of war is worth fighting? to end up with 35,000 homeless veterans in America, of which 5,000 are female veterans. I mean, bad enough you have a, a, a guy living in the woods. And I just think women are so precious in this world. I mean, we, we can't do any. I can't do anything without my wife or what my mother or my mother-in-law taught me. I, I just can't I, I've been in the woods and I and I meet these women uh, it's heartbreaking there's not a conflict in the world worth fighting to come back and find out that we have suicides and homeless people over it is that is that their Olympic medal we get to give them a sleeping bag to sleep in the woods or 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 we give them a doctor's appointment at the VA once a month to see a psychiatrist because you know we're all young especially Vietnam that's 18, 19 uh, go to school the great teachers taught us and I always say this one of the one of the reasons for post-traumatic stress I think in my life was going to Catholic school that's going to raise some eyebrows because <laughs> eight years of St. Henry's and four years of Cardinal Doherty with the great nuns and the great priests that taught us Four or five of the commandments were drummed into us. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear arms against your neighbor. Thou shalt not hurt your neighbor. Thou mm -hmm. shalt not do this against your neighbor. Then all of a sudden you're 18, your government drafts you. Now we're going to give you weapons to go kill that neighbor. Yeah, it's a bit of a conflict. And and it's okay. Then you come back from a year in Vietnam or you come back from a tour in Iraq or Afghanistan or maybe your fourth or fifth tour in Iraq or Afghanistan Give us back our weapons. You can't carry them. We're not garden hoses where we water flowers and you turn us off and the water stops. You can't shut the memory off of what we make our young veterans do. And then they come home and uh, uh, they they think about, well, my wife just went to, to, to Target and bought a Christmas tree from a country that we were at war with. What did I do wrong? Yeah. Why did I go kill them people? If we're good enough to sell their Christmas trees now, why did I go? See, veterans are never given a reason why we go. We're told to come home and pretty much forgotten about. That's sad. So is that why you called your show the Welcome Home Show? Is that no, the genesis I, I, of that? I did it now. I'm going to be very honest with you. I once read a story about Kodak Camera, and the reason they called it Kodak Camera, I believe, 
was every time you took a picture and you pushed a little button on the camera down by your ear, it went kadick, 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 and that's how the pictures were taken. Mm-hmm. And the guy who invented that, I think Eastman, said, I want every time somebody in the world takes a picture, they're going to think of the name of our company. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking, was given a lot of names, a lot of suggestions. And I think my wife said to me, why don't you call it the Welcome Home Show? Because everybody says, Welcome Home. Wow. And that's the truth. It wasn't done for any strategic reason except every time the word Welcome Home is mentioned to a veteran. That's the name of our show, the Welcome Home Show. And we want to make sure that every veteran gets a Welcome Home. Joe, that is absolutely so incredible. And I remember so well the first time that you had me on your show well over a year ago. And I had no idea what to expect. It was my first time ever being on radio. But your passion for veterans, your passion for the community, you have done so much for so many people. And you've got more accolades than we can even have time for right now. But I want to thank you so much for who you are and what you do for the veteran community, Joe. Well, we don't... You know, I do our our show with Bill Davenport, a Marine Vietnam veteran, and my wife puts a lot in. And just to sum it up, we're not big on awards or pats on the back or trophies because I always say, why give us an award at halftime? You know? We don't give a Super Bowl trophy out at halftime. Yeah. We give it out at the end of the game. Our game's only halfway over with, you know... uh, Many suicides, you know, 700 a month, 8,000 a year, 80,000 over the past 10 years. We're far from getting a trophy. Joe, that is incredible. I love the story. And after the break, we're going to be joined by Mr. James Rabick, the station producer. So he's going to join our conversation, Joe. Very good. From the Jacob Media Studios, you're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough. We pause now and remember all of those lost in battle who paid the ultimate price for our freedom. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 and 92.3 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. James Rabick and Mr. Joe Griffiths is in the room with me as well. So, James, first of all, thank you so very much for all that you've done to help with the program since I started in February, and thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. I am both honored and, uh, i got to say this is odd being on this side of the mic. <laughs> I mean, I pop in here once in a while, but it is definitely different being in here. And I appreciate you letting me in here, so thank you so much. Well, I mean, James, I'm, I'm curious about your story as well, because you've been doing radio for quite a while, so I'm curious how you got into it. Maybe we can compare that as well to how Joe got into it. Like, both of you guys have been in radio for such a long time and have such amazing stories. Uh, I jumped in radio in 2008, so I'd start off an audio engineer and a drummer 500 years ago. Um, oh, but me, 25 years ago. I've mean, been a drummer since I was in seventh grade. I'm 40. My, doesn't matter. I'm 49 now, and uh, I went to school to be an audio engineer back at the Philadelphia Art Institute. Okay, and I did that semi-professionally and professionally forever. I played in wedding bands, and there was a long period where I just didn't have a day job. That's all I did was just drum and audio engineer when I lived in Philadelphia. And I've always had a connection to the shore because that's the natural route for everybody. The Philadelphia shore route, you make that circle all the time. And I've always butted up against radio, so I would do radio promotions. You know, you're always playing the casinos and seeing the radio people. So I always saw this side of the world from the other side. And then 
when the audio world uh, was just not happening. There weren't, you know, there weren't a lot of recording studios anymore, and there weren't a lot of the audio engineering gigs were getting more and more competitive. I heard a thing for a thing called Connecticut School of Broadcasting, and I thought, man, I could make commercials. Like, how hard could it be to make a radio commercial? That's got to be. I mean, if I can mix an album or I can mix a band every night, I'm sure I can make a radio commercial. Yeah. And uh, I did. That's exactly what I did. I, I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting and I got a couple different internships. And right away I realized, man, I really like radio. So and music and radio has always been a thing for you? Always been a thing for me. My parents are both musicians. Uh, they've both worked as, uh, they've been in wedding bands. Uh, they did that kind of circuit their whole lives. They're teachers. Both of them are teachers. Um, you know, they've both served in the church. They're, you know, all my adult life, they've always been uh, choir directors and, you know, been, been part of church choirs. So I've always seen that side of the world. Wow. Um, and I think just because they're both, you know, church, you know, servers in church and done that sort of thing, there's been a little serving thing there. Yeah. The minute I got into radio, um, I can instantly see like, oh, this is a fun way to not only be have some fun, but uh, that natural need to the, the producer in me to like to like, I didn't get a radio want to be a star. I, I like the the background part. The behind the scenes. The behind the scenes, right. Immediately I could I could see that I loved producing. I like the idea of building shows and you know, I think inevitably just helping people find their thing. Yeah, you know, I always loved that. You know, when I when I when I got into music, even as a drummer, I think you don't you never want to be the star as a drummer, right? You like being in the driver's seat to help the band. You know, okay. you're always looking to support the band, right? My favorite drummers weren't the the flashy ones. You know, I, I love the Ringo stars of the world, right? I like that the idea that you're supporting the band. And my my favorite thing in radio in audio was to be a producer. I really liked the idea of taking a band and helping them find their thing. I never wanted to assert me. It's not about what I want the record to sound like. Mm-hmm. It's about what what were you looking to get out of your record? What, mm-hmm. what what can I do to make your record better? And then radio, I remember I think when we first talked, yeah. like, what show were you looking for, right? Yeah. In fact, I'm going to tell you a super quick funny story. When Paul Kelly came to me, he said, hey, you know, do you, do you want another show during your day? It's already a long day for me. And I'm like, eh, what do you got? He goes, a military show. And in my head, he knows I'm a big military supporter and I love the military. Yeah. And I'm like... I'm going to get a combat vet. My sure. What are we going to do? A Green Beret show? I'm in. Let's go. You know? And then, of course, that's not your show. You know, it's a completely different show. But it turned out to be this awesome show. And we sat down and talked. Something so different and something that's just as close to my heart. I love that serving mentality. That's so everything I'm about as a producer, right? It, yeah. it couldn't have been a cooler show when you laid it out to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we can do this. And you had... No experience whatsoever. <laughs> Zero. Zero. Zero experience whatsoever. And I'm like, okay, well, let's build from that. But it turns out you had all these great life experiences that absolutely set you up if you wanted to let the dominoes go to set you up for a perfect radio person. And you took to it like that. But you jumped right in. Both feet, right? Yeah. Boom. James, I want to thank you so much for what you've done over the last 10 months to help me grow. Because I remember on the 21st of February when I did my <clears> first show... To your point, I had no idea what I was doing. It's one thing to be a guest on the Joe Griffey's Welcome Home Show and be a guest. But when you're the host and you have to keep things running and ask questions and everything else, it is a different story. So I really appreciate both of you helping me in shaping and molding and all of that that's gone into building this program over the last 10 months. Well, both of you have great training, but you're a vet and you're a vet. So I, I would think, Joe, you would agree that you guys are both pretty set up to be radio people, though. I mean... You know, well, I know he is. I don't know why, but <laughs> but let me let me say one thing, one thing to you, uh, James. Uh, 
producers, whether it's you or John Lockwood or my friend Johnny B. You are the stars in our eyes. Aww. You guys make us look good. And that's, you know, we may, we may, when the callers call in, they, they want to talk to us. They don't want to talk to the producer or this and that and all. We may be the stars, and I hate that word, in their eyes, but in our eyes, you're the guys that make the show work. Because you guys do all the dialing, do all the buttons, push all the gears, turn on the lights, turn on the mics. No matter how good a radio host is, he's only near as good as the producer he has doing his show. Thank you. And and I don't think people know that that's what we love more. I Look, I, this pandemic proved one thing to me as much as some of it really, you know, really came to heart. I mean, for there was a joke amongst my band people. Look, I, my podcast, Fear of a Craft Beer Planet, was built on a premise of we were all band buddies, and then I stayed in the radio business, and they all got real jobs. And in, in their case, in the beer business, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't really drink, and they taught me about craft beer, but really it was just about what we call beer and BS. We were just joking around and having fun and talking about whatever we wanted to talk about, and then you know the beer was sort of a secondary thing, right? But when things really started crashing in the beginning of the pandemic, the joke was, hey, isn't it funny that I still have a job, and they didn't? And then that joke stopped being funny. Yeah. So the pandemic really did become about well, what can I do to help on the radio? You know, anything. I didn't care if a friend needed or and not just me. I mean, any, all of us here. I mean, everybody at OND and, and even our sister stations down the hall. What could you do to help any restaurant we need to do? Whatever. If you needed hours, you know, if you wanted anything you could do, you need a PSA done, whatever police, whatever word you needed out, fire people. If you could get it out, that's what we wanted to do. Well, that's that's to the ask, thing I could help. I wanted to ask both of you. I mean, both you guys have got a lot of experience in radio, producing and hosting a show. What's the hardest thing that you've had to do from each of your foxholes, from your perspective as a producer and a host? Pandemic's been tough just mentally, I think. Um, I think, I don't know if this would be the hardest, but I think surviving uh, takeovers is, is really weird. I don't know if anybody's ever been in a hostile takeover or business takeover. Yeah. That's a sort of thing that kills your spirit at times. Yeah. That that hurt for me. Seeing your friends lose their businesses. Yeah. That's happened. That happened to me. That that hurt. That yeah, that was a tricky one for me. I don't know about you. Joe. I think I wanna I wanna reverse the question a little bit. Okay. I think some good things came out of the pandemic. And I think what I think it's the birth of podcast. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. Zooms. I mean, I used to be on a Zoom every day, and what they did, I mean, my good friend Lou Cavalieri down at the chapel, the Fort Chaplains, him and Larry Herman, uh, Shannon Drake, uh, thank you that, started a Zoom. Uh, Bill, the director, they started a Zoom every week, and they did it for a couple, week, a couple weeks to see how it would go. And now, I don't see Lou, and I don't see when are we gonna do it again? It went on for a year, and what it did, it it formed a group of people that some might have been shut in, some might have not been getting the information they needed. And people have grown from that Zoom into doing their own Zooms, their yeah. own podcasts, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So I think the birth of communication as far as Zooms and podcasts, I think they'll be dated, you know, on account of the the, the COVID-19, the, the, uh, the pandemic caused that. But I think it's also 
shows how resilient and how great the American people are because we might have been shut in. Uh, we might have been locked up, but they couldn't shut us up. And that's what these Zooms and podcasts did. They allowed people to communicate to their friends and be able to see them. And I, I, I think that's what's important. And just one other thing. The importance of radio is so important. And the importance of television, communications. Where would we have, what would we have done for two years if we didn't have radio and television? Jim, I'll ask you and then I'll ask Paul that. What would we have done if we weren't able to turn a TV on, turn a radio on, or turn a live stream on? Who would have entertained us? Everything was shut down. Oh, I think you're 100%, yeah. you're 100% right. I mean, I, I, if I got any, I mean, blessings out of this would be the, the thanks people gave or like, thank you for getting the information out or thank you for thank you for helping me get the word that's been you know a soul rejuvenating thing for producing the show yeah yeah and joe how about you i mean i know that during all the work that you've done in radio you've gotten a lot of different accolades but knowing you you're a very humble guy like what has been the biggest blessing for you as being a radio show host for so long i think when we get a phone call from vince kane the director of elsmere delaware (coughs) excuse me and uh he said, we have a problem. And I said, what's the problem, Vince? He says, the VA is announcing a lot of Zooms, a lot of podcasts I was on. The VA is telling you, if you're not registered with the VA, don't come. We're not giving you your shot. You're not entitled to it. So that means six and a half million people, veterans, registered with the VA were now allowed to get their shots. Fifteen and a half million that aren't registered with the VA couldn't get their shots. Wow. So we... I contacted my friend Emma Carando at Center Booker's office. I think she's the best veterans problem solver in the world. Uh, and I said, Emma, we got a problem. Veterans are going to the VA and Paul and I are going. Paul's registered. I'm not. Paul won't get his shot because they won't give his buddy a shot. So within six weeks, we were able to get Senator Booker to go to the Senator Testa, who chairs the Veterans Affairs Committee in Washington. They signed a bill and got a phone call. They said, what's television tomorrow? I said, what's on it? She said, nah, Joe, the Senator said not to tell you, just watch. So I said, all right. And President Biden signed uh, an emergency bill allowing all, all 22 million veterans to go to any VA in the world, any clinic, and get their shots, not have to make appointments, not have to get in line. And then he took it a step further. Their spouses, their caregivers, their children. And I believe we're now still, we're doing veterans with less than honorable discharges that fell through the cracks when they came home. So I was told it was close to 30 million people that helped to get vaccinated. But that's what we're proud of. But it was simple because it was it was a problem. Wow. With a solution, and it got fixed. Joe, what an incredible work, and what a difference that you have made. We only got about a minute left, so I just want to ask you, you guys. Sure. Like, if you had an opportunity to give advice to maybe a radio show host, or maybe a podcast or a musician, what would you say to them, given all the experience that you have now? What advice would you give to somebody that's up and coming? Oh, it's all about hard work. You, you have to put the time in. I, I don't care if it's a radio or a musician. Um, your thing, how can I help, is absolutely what you need to do. Find a, ask what you can do, what you can do at help. Don't be worried about the money. The money will come. Uh, I act as a patron in this company for 
a couple of years. It was sometimes I got paid, sometimes I worked for free. Yeah. I'm still here. It's been 15 years. Yeah. Joe? I agree with what Jim just said. Hard work. I always tell, I was asked once years ago at a radio broadcasting convention by Paul Rotella. He said, Joe, would you want to get up and give a, give a talk to these young people that are getting in radio? And I said, well, the only thing I'm going to tell them is if you're doing an hour, two hours, or three hours, do your homework. Do exactly what Jim just said. Be prepared. Be prepared that you're not going to have any callers. You're not going to have any guests. Have enough material that whether you're doing an hour, two hours, or three hours, you can do that show without missing a beat. You got to do your homework and you got to show up and uh, brag about the other guy. That's the important. Never about yourself. Amen. Joe and James, I want to thank you both so very much for taking the time to be on the program today. It has been such an honor to have both of you in the room with me here today. I'm honored to be here. Thank you, Paul. Thank you both. Listen, we come back from the break. We're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guest. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Get a list of lucky numbers that's designed to help you win the lottery. Plans that you break and the ones you don't The phone calls you take and the wallets you own Don't mean a thing, mediocrities If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. Back to serving our nation on News Talk 1400 and 92.3 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and as we close out today's show, let's just briefly think about what we've heard from our guests. Two incredible people that have been in radio for quite a long time, Mr. Joe Griffiths and Mr. James Rabick. And these two gentlemen had such important lessons for us to think about and what it means to be a servant leader. I love how James talked about he enjoys being the person that's behind the scenes. You know, maybe you might not be an extrovert. Maybe you don't want to be the star of the show, but you can be that person that goes behind the scenes and is really just helping to support people because at the end of the day, we all want to be there for each other and anyone can be there to help other people. And when Joe was talking, he's such a supporter of veterans' rights and being a veteran advocate. And so I think one of the things that we can take away from what Joe said is being able, having the ability to fight for other people. Joe said, listen, I might be the host, but it's not about me. I'm not the hero, right? Because he is focused on promoting veterans. He's not promoting Joe Griffiths and da-da-da-da-da-da. Joe talks about what is important to veterans and how he can help veterans across the country. And What you heard Joe say, the greatest blessing he got is not any award, and Joe's gotten a lot of them, but the greatest thing he's done is the rights that he's gotten for veterans, to be able to go to any VA. That's the one of the greatest blessings he's had. And even James talked about it within his role, this idea of being a pay turn, somebody that gets occasionally paid, but a lot of the work that he did when he first started was as an intern. Like, think about the heart behind that. Are you willing to do something because you're passionate about it? Even if you're not getting paid, are you passionate enough about something to continue doing it because it's good work? 
So I would just say to you, I would encourage you to think about where you can engage in your community, where you can engage in things that you're passionate about, and whether or not you're getting paid for it, get engaged in the fight. Fight for other people, be that person that's behind the scenes, and do something to serve other people. Now listen, each week I talk to you about this idea of when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. So I just want to briefly share with you, I think I mentioned at one point several months ago, about five years ago, I had an opportunity to donate a kidney to my uncle. And my uncle is now 74 years old. And the blessing for me was receiving an invitation from he and his wife to go and share meal at his table on Thanksgiving Day. So for the last 20 years or so, for as long as I can remember, I've always hosted and number one, to be able to sit at my uncle's table with him, to see him still there, still alive, still kicking, telling jokes, having a smile, having a drink, relaxing, being able to enjoy life and still be there with his family. And then we were able to have a Zoom call with other people in the family that weren't physically present with us. I have to tell you, that was an incredible blessing for me. It was such a joyous Thanksgiving, not because of anything things that I have or cars or house like that's all irrelevant at the end of the day the blessing the greatest thing that I am thankful for is the family because things can be replaced and you might get a new job jobs come and go but the people that you know the family that you have and the people that you share love with that is something that cannot be replaced so I would just encourage you during this season of Thanksgiving and now as we enter into Advent and the Christmas season, I would so much encourage you to reach out to your family members. Maybe there's a family member that you had a argument with and maybe it just needs a conversation. Maybe you just need to use the words, I'm sorry. So I'd encourage you to reach out to your family. Listen, next week I'm excited for our guest, Mr. Eric Stetson and Mr. Dave Gillespie. They're both board members in my Philly chapter of AUSA, both Army veterans, and they're both very involved in their local community. And next week, I would, me, I want to remind you to sign up for my Spotify and Apple podcast mailing list, and you can do that to my website at reverenddrpaul.com. That's R-E-V-D-R-Paul.com. Check out the show tab on my website and look for previous episodes of this program. So as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask. How can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next week. Your promise.